Hey guys, hope you're having a great day. Today being the 17th of December, we are continuing our journey through the Christmas Advent reading. I hope you got mine uh, late, late last night. Uh, I did 16 late last night, early in the morning. Um, so hope you grabbed that one. Man, day 16 was amazing. Uh, you go back and uh, just the scripture alone uh, is would be well worth your time to be able to read Isaiah 11. Uh, but now today, uh, day 17, it is Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Love the song. I remember growing up as a young uh, boy doing uh, Christmas plays there at Goshen Baptist Church. And uh, Old Little Town of Bethlehem was sung often. Um, and so here we are, day 17. We're in Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. And before we start reading Micah chapter 5, what I want to encourage you is to go and look at the deep and wide page and look at a reading that I put on there about the uh, Magdala Dar, if I'm saying it right, the Tower of the Flock. If you look at Micah 4, Micah 4 has some prophecy about the one that's coming, uh, the one that's going to be uh, the Tower of the Flock. Um, and then um, you, you'll see in that reading, uh, maybe, just maybe, you'll have a different view of that of the manger scene, uh, that of the picture of Christ coming, uh, he he came as a as a sacrifice. Uh, he was he was born to die, uh, strange, right? Uh, die for you and for me. And so here we are, uh, Micah five verse two. Uh, our Bible reads this: But you, you O Bethlehem of Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old and from ancient days. So like I said, if you'll go back and get Micah 4, really read the whole book of Micah, but Micah 4 feeds into this Micah 5. Uh, great, great, great story here. Again, just to kind of open your eyes to that of, of, what, uh, of how much we've let culture uh, teach us about the birth of Jesus Christ and not, and not the word of God. Um, even songs, like if I was to say, we three kings of Orient are, you would say there was three kings that went to visit the baby Jesus. I would tell you to go look in the Bible. So here we go. Uh, some prophecies are harder than others. Depending on who you ask, it is possible that Jesus fulfilled a couple hundred prophecies from the Old Testament. That is absolutely incredible. Some people will go on and on trying to figure out the odds of this happening so that they can now so, so that they can show that no mere human being uh, could no human being could possibly accomplish this and therefore Jesus must be God. I couldn't agree more. In fact, one of my favorite illustrations comes from a book published by a guy named Stoner in 1957 called Science Speaks. He said that the odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight of these prophecies would be the same as if you covered the state of Texas with silver dollars, two feet deep, mark one with a check mark, blindfolded someone, and then they walked around and picked the marked silver dollar on their first try. Whoa. You see what he's saying? That's just not possible. When you look at the text for today, in light of this, we are faced with some really interesting questions. In the, in the above scenario, we are talking about an adult attempting to fulfill these prophecies. But what about the prophecies about stuff that had to happen before the Messiah was born? What about, um, what about where you're born uh, or where you're going to move as an infant? 
What about your ancestors? See, what we are getting at here, no one has ever been able to plan the city in which they were born. No one, that is, except Jesus. At the And the reason he was able to do this is because he was and is. Notice, he was and is God. The no, uh, the, the not so expected prophet. Just like with many of these prophecies, this one looks really clear to us as we look back. But what did the Jews in the time of Jesus think about this? Did they know that it was a uh, prediction of the Messiah? This is a difficult question to answer because it looks like it's a mixture of yes and no. First, let's look at the no. During the time of Jesus, Jews could be separated into two basic groups of people, those who were looking for the coming Messiah and those who weren't. It might sound weird to say this, but but from the New Testament's witness, it looks like most of the religious leaders of the day fell into the category of the ones who weren't. That um, they had built up their own power and influence, and they were not ready to hand over uh, that to anybody, not even the Messiah. And on the other hand, we see the faithful Jews who were raised on Old Testament and longed for the Messiah to come. You can see that in Luke. Go to Luke chapter uh, 2 uh, later on in that, in that reading. There, uh, these were the common Jews who didn't have any of the power of the leaders. They were the ones who felt the oppression by the Romans the most. And of course, they were looking for the deliverer. They were looking for the deliverer. We see these people showing up as real seekers in the Gospels. In John, there was an interesting interaction between these two groups of people. Jesus has gotten up and told them that he is the God and that there is hope only in him. Some of them say, yes, he is the prophet or he is the Messiah. But some say he's not possible because Jesus is from Galilee. Remember, he moved a couple of times as a kid. Look at verse 42 from our reading. Has not the scripture said that the first that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? The Messiah to the Gentiles, too. But this isn't the only place in the New Testament where this comes up. We also see that it is part of the Christmas story. From somewhere in Persia, way, way east of Israel, some guys were studying the stars who noticed something so remarkable in the sky that they had to go back and check it out. Apparently, they had studied the Old Testament, specifically, listen to this, Numbers 24, and were looking for a star to rise uh, that would announce the world, the promised ruler of the Jews. How crazy is this? God sent a sign visible to the whole world. And the only ones who picked up on it were this group of wise men. Uh, that's uh, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 2. Anyway, they see this sign and they go to check it out. But where, where do they go? Bethlehem? No, 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 no. They go to Jerusalem, the capital city, where the king is supposed to be. Yet when they arrive, there is no new baby that fits the timeline. So Herod gets all of his wise men together and they tell him that it has to be Bethlehem. And they quote this passage. These wise men, go read Mark 2 or Matthew 2. You're going to find these wise men being religious men. All right. 
The best and worst parts of this story are the reactions of Herod and the wise men. The wise men who are Gentiles, notice that, recognize that God, that God is doing here, recognize what God is doing here. They have studied the Jewish scriptures and believe that Jesus is God incarnate. And they traveled for months to find this child so that they could worship him. This isn't just some kind of academic interest. When they finally find Jesus, they fall on their faces in worship. They fall on their faces, y'all. But Herod, who is Jewish, uh, who should be looking for his Messiah, will have nothing to do with Jesus. He lied to the wise men, telling them that he wanted to worship him too. But when he figures out where Jesus is, he tries to kill him. A reflection. What makes all of this so mind-boggling is that the Old Testament is a several thousand-year period of God calling his shots. Then in the New Testament, we see a record of him sinking uh, every one of them. What an amazing, powerful, loving God we serve. He has always kept his promises, and he always will. In his grace toward mankind, God let us know the exact place that Jesus would be born. And as if that wasn't enough, he planned out the biggest billboard ever to announce his coming. But let's not look down at those people who didn't get it when it was happening. It had to be really crazy to be living in a time when hundreds of prophecies were all coming together. Instead, let's step back and praise God for the ones who did see it, both Jews and Gentiles. Not only that, let's help others see it today. Listen, great, great reading. I, I want to encourage you again as we close out, and I'll, I'll put the comments at the bottom. Uh, go and read that article. Um, you will be amazed. I, I was, uh, and still today, as I continue to read God's Word, uh, at how we have let culture teach us about that of the coming Messiah, and we've not allowed the Word of God to teach us about the coming Messiah. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Um, the whole um, wise men, okay? All my life, wise men have always been at the, at the nativity scene. They've always been there. But if you read God's word, and it gave me a false understanding, if you read God's word, those wise men didn't show up until he was at least two years old. And you go read that in Matthew 2. And so what that does is, is you're like, well, what's the big deal? Pictures play a big deal in what people believe. And so what we have to do is we have to be people of God's word, studying God's word, reading God's word, and then proclaiming his word uh, to let a people know he came as the savior of the world. He came as the savior of the world, born in Bethlehem, hey, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying there in a manger to be what? To be later killed for you and for me, sacrificed. So listen, have a great day. Get in the word, folks. God's word's amazing when we let God's word say what God's word says. Uh, go find that article. That's an amazing article there on the deep and wide page. Um, something that will kind of just kind of maybe you'll do some rabbit trails, rabbit hunting through God's word. It is worth every bit of it. Hope you all have a great day. Have a happy Friday. Enjoy this sun. See ya.